Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It is a podcast that I do throughout the week, and then I string it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains, here in beautiful Asheville, Western North Carolina. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I've got a good one for you this week. I've got a fairly long interview with a couple of folks who run a business out of Marshall, North Carolina, called Ivy and the Poet, and it's a bakery and a poetry business. And the poet comes on and writes me a dang poem right here on the show. So stick around for that, and you'll get to hear some poetry later on. And I also did some field recordings. I went out to the Loot House with my friends. And my writers group, I have a group that I do of food writers, bloggers, and independent independent media people. And we can show up to a restaurant and do a tasting. I started this group because it's hard for me as one person, and I'm not even that big of a person, to come to a tasting and try like all tons of dishes and stuff. And I end up bringing a lot home, and it's hard to work my way through all that. And it's a lot of calories And there can be some food waste. And so I decided to put together a group of writers. And when I get invited to a tasting, I ask, can I invite my group? And the answer is almost always yes. Nobody's ever said no, although people sometimes seem a little scared to have us come. And we're not scary people. We like food. And if your food is good, we're going to like it. We're going to take pictures of it. We're going to take videos of it. We're going to post it all over social media between everybody in the group, we kind of specialize in different things from uh, making reels for Instagram. That's not my jam really, but Jeremy Hood, the urban gastronome does that. And Lucho from Asheville Multicultural does a little bit of that too. But anyways, I've got this group and we took a trip en masse, uh, about four or five of us out to the Loot House, L-O-O-T-T. And we tried a whole bunch of stuff, like just a ton of stuff. And I list everything later when I talked to one of the owners, Maggie, about it. And it was real good. I just want to say if you live near the loot house or you drive by it on your way from point A to point B on a regular basis, then stop on in and get some grub. I will in particular recommend the Brussels sprouts. And I'll tell you that these days... Brussels sprouts don't generally excite me. And when I see them on menus, I'm not generally ordering them the way I used to. You know, I'm just a little bit burned out or played out on Brussels sprouts. But these ones at the Loot House were effing great. And so I recommend them highly for you. Uh, They were just tangy. They had a really nice dressing. They were cooked really great. They were soft. I'll tell you, like... Whew, you know I don't write bad reviews. If I don't like some food, I don't write about it. And last year, 2022, I, the worst meal I had all year, the Brussels sprouts were practically raw. Like they were uncooked and they were inedible. And I told the server that and they said, yeah, we've been hearing that all day. And I was like, you know how to fix undercooked food, right? Just cook it a little bit longer. Uh, I didn't say that to the server because I was just in a state of shock. And I just uh, brought those those Brussels sprouts I brought home. And I cooked them at home. And they were pretty good. But I don't go out to eat so that I can cook at home. You know what I'm saying? 
And that that place that place went out of business. I did I didn't need to write a bad review of that place. They just were probably never going to make it. Any hoodles, these Brussels sprouts were not undercooked. They were perfect. They were maybe a little overcooked, which is the way I like quote unquote overcooked the way I think they should be done. They should be cooked until they're a little bit soft. Uh, and these were great. God, I've gone on a long time about these Brussels. The other food was great too. I'll leave it for a little bit later in the radio show for y'all to hear about that. But in the meantime, I also want to say that I went to the garage barbecue or BBQ food truck the garage barbecue food truck and it was awesome man they only have like basically two things on their menu if you don't count the sides they got pulled pork and pulled chicken and you can get sliders you can get two of one or two of the other or one of each and then you can get coleslaw and chips as a side if you want and i'm not even kidding this pulled pork i think was some of the most tender and juicy pulled pork i've ever had uh it was some of the best pulled pork i've ever had it might be the best pulled pork i've ever had i would have to do some side-by-side comparisons to really tell you that but it was incredible and i tell you what i saw i set my expectations pretty low for pulled pork anywhere i go because it can be disappointing to me can be dry can have a super piggy flavor uh it can be boring and so, you know, whatever. I That's why I got one of each slider. I, I love chicken. So I thought, of course, I'm going to love this pulled chicken. And I did. It was awesome. But the pulled pork was actually the standout. So garage barbecue, get yourself one of each slider. They have a lot of sauces to choose from. I say just try to go as often as you can and work your way through the sauces because uh, they styled me out with a whole bunch of them. And I tried them all and they were great. And uh, so, yeah garage bbq food truck and you can of course follow the new Asheville and western north carolina food trucks facebook group to keep up with the food trucks in the area the group is new and it's growing but it's already got over a thousand members it's like getting up to be 1500 pretty soon and there's 25 food trucks that are members and that post on a regular basis. There are at least 200 food trucks in the area, if not more. So I have goals and my goal, first goal was 25 and I reached it. My next goal is to get 50 food trucks. So I'm hoping to get them signed up. If if you own a food truck and you're hearing this, please sign up for the group. It's I know everybody thinks Facebook is passe. It's still the king daddy of all social media. More people use Facebook every day than anybody else. And if you are a food truck that only uses Instagram, you can share your Instagram posts directly to a Facebook group. So you can join this group on Facebook and then just share your Instagram posts to it. I also went over to West Asheville and went to the West End Bakery, which has brand new ownership and is incredible. It's just incredible. Uh, I got some focaccia to go that I brought home. And this is the first clue that it was awesome. Well, for one thing, it was huge. It was like the size of a soccer field. And uh, I get it home and it's in a paper bag, you know, and the bag, you can practically see through it (laughs) after it got home because of all the olive oil and the focaccia. And there were cherry tomatoes in there, or maybe there were plum tomatoes. I think they were cherry tomatoes though. And a little bit of rosemary. I'm not the hugest fan of rosemary, but I could tell by looking at it that I could actually, the most of the rosemary I could avoid if I wanted 
wanted to because it was left in the large needle form, like the pine needle form. And so I got brought this stuff home and man, it was banging. I love focaccia. It's not always great though. This was great. So the focaccia at the West End Bakery, very highly recommended. My sister and I went, we got a variety of other things, including uh, I got a chicken pot pie, which was a, a deconstructed take on it, sort of, or a, a different take on it, like a bakery take, I guess, because it had croutons on the bottom, then the pot pie mix on top, and then a biscuit on top of that. And it came in a bowl, and it was very savory and delicious. And we got a variety of other breads, baguettes, bagels, a couple of pastries, and it was all good. I'm telling you what, get over to the new West End Bakery. It did kind of close down during the pandemic. It had some ownership changes along the way. It tried to rebrand itself as sort of a wine and cheese and bread place for a while. I'm not sure what was going on with that, actually, but it has a brand new owner, a really great person named Stephanie. And she invited me to come try the stuff. I tried the stuff and I love it. So get excited, West Asheville and everybody else for the West End Bakery being back. And in my opinion, better than ever. And finally, I just want to say that I got a burger at La Bodega. Now, La Bodega is the lesser known sort of stepchild or child or cousin or whatever you want to say, relation of... Uh, curate. It's actually called La Bodega by Curate. And it's a Spanish style marketplace and bread shop. Lots of great bread there too. One of the best baguettes I've ever had and pastries out the wazoo. This thing called the chucho that you got to try. That's a deep fried uh, croissant basically stuffed with pastry cream and topped with sugar. And it's, it's to die for. Um, and they sell all kinds of like Spanish goods like olive oil tin fish and stuff like that and then upstairs is a wine bar with a hot menu and one of the things on the hot menu is their hamburger or or as they call it their hamburguesa and it's a very uh heavy hamburger it is it has some of the iberica or iberican or iberico i i swear i never know how to say this word i teach myself and then i forget um, and it has got that ham in it, that good ham that they have at Curate. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it's topped with sauteed onions and all kinds of soft, sauteed, heavy, oily things. And it comes on a really nice bun. And it's about, I don't know, it's, it's kind of tall, but not too wide. It's, it's hefty, though. Like, I ate half of it. I was good. And so it's great, and I recommend it 100%, the Hamburguesa at La Bodega by Curate. And it came with three French fries. Now, that sounds comical, and it was. It came with three French fries. But I'm telling you what, these three French fries were like three-quarters of a large, like, big-sized Idaho potato. Uh, They were wedge fries, and so it was a lot of potato content. Like they weren't chintzing me out on material goods there. They were just presenting it as three large ones rather than a bunch of small ones. And that was perfect for me. 
I often don't finish the giant mound of French fries that come with my burgers. And then I don't want to carry them around, take them home, heat them up. They never heat up as good as they are fresh out of deep fryer. So they get fed to pigs or thrown in the trash or whatever. And of course I carry that guilt throughout my entire life uh, every time. And so I really loved that they gave me a reasonable number of French fries. It was three giant fries, three quarters of a potato. I don't want to eat a whole potato and a whole hamburger or even half a hamburger. So it was perfect. I at one time came up with this thing that I was going to try to push to the restaurants that it was called five fries. And that's what it was. It was like a limited number of French fries, just five. And then on your menu, you you put, if you need more fries, just ask. And I thought, you know, save a lot of French fries from going into the garbage heap, you know? I don't know. I never really talked to anybody about it except for the folks at Twisted Laurel. And they always look at me like I'm crazy because I am. And uh, they're like, sure things too. Sounds good. Five fries. We'll give it a try someday. And uh, didn't see it show up on their menu. I don't blame them. I'm a little bit nuts. So those are my three things to review at the beginning of the show. Let's do some interview and some in the field stuff. And when we come back, I'll review a couple of more things. Oh, the pizza guy is here. Hey, Drew. How's it going? Hey, good. Pizza's here, man. I love it. What do we got today? Uh, today we got the Slammin' Salmon. It's a. Uh, it's got a everything bagel crust seasoning. Uh, I made a uh, cream cheese and Alfredo base with chipotle and smoked paprika. Uh, then it's got some smoked salmon with some pastrami seasoning on it. Uh, capers and red onions and fresh mozzarella. Dang, that sounds <laughs> awesome, man. That's like the world's greatest... Pizza bagel, <laughs> yeah, or right. bagel pizza. Bagel like, pizza. We used to yeah. make them in the '80s in yeah. the toaster oven. And, sure. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Uh, you told me you struggled a little bit to come up with this one, uh, or you worked on it for a long time. Worked on it for a while. I, it's, it's an idea I've had for a while, and uh, I just wasn't sure how to execute it. Um, I knew I wanted to involve cream cheese, and I've worked with cream cheese on pizzas before, and it, okay, I never really liked it so much. So combining it with the Alfredo. Made it creamier, but mm-hmm. easier to use as a base for a pizza. Um, and I, I'm always, you know, I, I fish on pizzas. Like I don't know, it could go either way, right? Um, but I, I feel like I made it work. Well, dude, you told me you didn't think it was the prettiest one. I think it's beautiful. It looks so delicious. I can't wait to tuck in. It's super tasty. Well, Drew, thank you so much. And uh, why don't you rattle off name of the company, name of the web, or where the website is, all yeah, that stuff. Asheville Pizza South, AshevillePizzaSouth.com. Check us out. Uh, Facebook, same Asheville Pizza South. Uh, Instagram. We're on the internet, man. All right. <laughs> and uh, Pizza of the Year winner 2022 from yes. this guy right well, thank here. Thank you so much. Yes, and uh, also it. WNC Pizza Fight winner. Yes. From yes. Uh, 2022 as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So two awards in one year for yeah. this dang pizza. Yeah. It's fantastic, Drew. I've enjoyed every pizza that you've brought me so far. Well, thank you so much, man. I hope you, I hope you dig this. I will. Yeah. I, I'm sure I will. Yeah. I can tell just by looking at it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, have a great day. Thanks yeah. again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, I like the little intro. That's cool. Good. 
Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I have an exciting guest. I have Miss Sean Ivy, or Ms., or just we'll say Sean. Sean, I'm going to start all over. I already fucked up. <laughs> I used a gender-specific intro. I try not to ever do that. Well, you know, a lot of people call me, will call me Miss Ivy, or um, my middle name is actually Ivy. Okay, well... Let's just keep rolling. I'll bleep out my own swear. All right. So here we have Sean Ivy and Ryan Ashley, the two owners of Ivy and the Poet, located on Main Street in Marshall, North Carolina. Marshall is one of the cutest towns ever. And gosh, I haven't been to your shop, but I looked at the pictures online and your shop is as cute as can be. Hey, Sean, how are you? going <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry about that jankety ass intro <laughs> uh, um, but anyways thanks for joining me i've had your pastries because you brought them to me i'm dying to get into your shop you know i don't drive so it's hard for me to just like pick up and go to marshall but um your pastries are awesome and in fact i was bold enough to say it was the best black and white cookie i've ever had i think so yeah yeah <laughs> So hard on that recipe, trying to recreate the one, you know, from my childhood in New York. And it comes from a recipe from a pretty famous New York bakery that's no longer in existence. Which I can't oh, really? Because it's their recipe. But <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. So you learned to bake in New York? Yeah. Yeah. I was like just a teenager, broke putting myself through school and, you know, started just doing like working the front at bakeries and then um, quickly like started moving into like, Oh, this girl's creative. Let's have her like do cake decorating in the back. And then I had moved to Astoria and I was working at a bakery right on my corner. And my boss was a super cool guy. He could never just, find good help and I was like hey you know I like baking and he took me under his wing and you know like just taught me everything and I got to the point where I was running the bakery doing all the baking and um just like keeping that place running for a while <laughs> well that's good learning in the field as they yeah. say yeah. yeah I'm going to school it was crazy but and you were going to school, I saw online, that you went to the Fashion Institute. Yeah, I went so, for textile design, which was specializing in fabric and wallpaper. So I love that. Came and went, because as soon as I graduated, all those jobs went overseas. Mm, oh. Yeah, you know, no, the same thing kind of happened baking. to me. <laughs> Say that again? I had the baking thing under my at that point working in restaurants and kitchens and helping other people run their kitchens and businesses so how long have you been doing this huh? I'm sorry I, I keep stepping on your lines uh, how long have you been working in the restaurant industry well since I was like 17 so, <laughs> so a just a couple time. of years just a couple of years <laughs> 30 years yeah. okay all right that's a good long time in one business one industry and and um concentrating on baking the whole time or have you worked in no, other no. scenarios 
all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I've done other stuff too. I've done some random office jobs and I've worked in skincare and, but that is also was very similar setting with, you know, just production style and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, um, your your pastries and your baked goods will will clarify. You do more than just pastries. You have all kinds of baked goods. But you told me the sweets are doing so well that you're kind of concentrating on those right now. But yeah. they're very very attractive. Like I know that that's something that all pastry chefs and bakers go for, but not everybody achieves at the same level. And yours are very artistic. And when I learned that you went to the Fashion Institute, that didn't surprise me that you had an artistic yeah. background. And even as I look at your Zoom window, as we're doing a Zoom recording right now, you are set up with a symmetry behind you of paintings and a beautiful row of plants, and you just have a sense of style. So I'm wondering, and this is kind of a cheesy question, but do you consider yourself to be an artist who became a baker or a baker who's always been artistic? <laughs> I definitely was an artist since I was a kid. You know, I spent my whole life hiding in my room, drawing and painting. And then, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We were pretty poor. So, and, he, and I love sweets. So I did spend a lot of time baking and, you know, just finding random things in the kitchen cabinet. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm craving sugar. And, my mom and I would whip up some cookies or brownies or cake or whatever we could come up with, with whatever we had. And then, um, so I think the art came first. But, but it yeah. sounds like they were, like you were baking as a small child as well. So it sounds like they were kind of hand in hand and perhaps never really two separate things in your child mind, you know, or maybe yes. they were. I I've don't enjoyed know. both as long as I can remember. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Would you say that you're doing what you love most for a living? Yeah, I'm pretty happy. You know, there's some days I'm tired and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to go in. <laughs> <laughs> like, but then as soon as I get in and I start working, I'm just instantly like so happy and like, oh wow, like I'm my own boss. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the coolest. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's been very well received here in Marshall. It was a slow start. Yeah. As you know, downtown Marshall Main Street, you know, it's not like there's uh, thousands of people um, coming through here, but it's been getting busier and busier. It's actually pretty surprising how many tourists <laughs> are now coming to Marshall. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've heard that. Asheville. Here. <laughs> What's that? They're vacationing here. Of course. Marshall is as cute as can be. Um, and it's not, it's tiny. It's a tiny little dollop of a town. And so it, a slow start for sure, but uh, easy to stand out, I would imagine, in a small town like that. As soon as word gets out, oh, my God, these people are making these beautiful, delicious pastries. I would imagine just about everybody in Marshall who eats that stuff is going to come. And then you got the the tourist business coming to Marshall, too. So it doesn't surprise me that you're successful. We're almost here open 
April will be a year. So it's like slowly increasing. <laughs> I think the spring might be a little crazy. <laughs> We're about crazy in what way? <laughs> crazy in what way? Busy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have. Now you're you're sitting inside of what looks like your little vintage store that you operate there out of the bakery. Um, that is such a cute little touch, and I guess I've used the word "cute" about a thousand times already in this interview. Um, but we like <laughs> yeah, me me too. I'm a sucker for it. I there's there's a there's a word or a condition or something for people who just squee out out over cute things, and I'm one of those people. I'm just like. <laughs> so cute um so tell us more about the little vintage store i read on your website that you've had a lifelong passion for vintage yeah yeah i've been collecting vintage stuff since well forever i guess i've always mm -hmm. loved vintage things i can remember even as a kid my mom had some cool things and she'd be like i'm gonna donate this you know Mm -hmm. goodwill and I'm like no like, <laughs> you know that's going to be worth money someday he didn't listen to me uh, of course not. I'm always sending her things like eBay listings I'm like look at that thing I told you you shouldn't throw out <laughs> oh that's great $800 now you know? oh good lord <laughs> but I used to do a little like um, vintage a weekend like a market in Brooklyn and then I had a vintage shop for a little while on Long Island when um, he was on Long Island for a little a tiny bit. Uh -huh. <laughs> we had a vintage shop there and I always like had been doing the eBay pretty much since day one. And okay. I just have a large collection of stuff <laughs> in my storage unit. So I slowly bring it here. We have a tiny, tiny, we call it a tiny vintage shop. And um, it's just I keep rotating the stuff in it. And it sells? People are buying? Yeah, people are buying. The things are slowly going. Sure, yeah. Well, Some such people a... are scared. They're like, they just think it's like um, my like decoration. Sure, so yeah. Like go over there and actually look at the stuff. So. Well, you need a giant. You need one of those people that spins a sign. <laughs> yeah. It says vintage shop. <laughs> Yeah, um, out front. We need that wavy arm guy. The wavy arm guy. Vintage, vintage, vintage. <laughs> um, no, we're of course kidding. Um, but here's a question that I have wondered because I've always loved vintage stuff too as a little boy. And even these days, like my house is full of vintage furniture and stuff. And um, what is the appeal? What do we love about vintage? And like, when does something become vintage? Because I'm from the 1970s, right? So there was stuff in my parents' house that was so contemporary, it practically nauseated me, right? But these days, those same things are vintage, and I think they're cool. So why do we like vintage? And when does the appeal happen? <laughs> well, I, I guess people have, are attracted to certain eras of vintage though you know like there's some stuff from the 70s that's so bad <laughs> oh my gosh and i'll see it in shops and they'll be like look at this awesome 70s sofa and i'm like no that's bad vintage that's like, nobody wants that vintage you know that's like grandma awful you know like oh yeah 
What's the, the American colonial uh, resurgence in the 70s? Yeah, with all the printed couches that have like the wagons and fife and drum cord printed on them and stuff. Oh, God. Um, but let's. That awesome disco, you know, 70s. <laughs> How about those sling chairs that were so popular in the 70s? And now they have come back a little bit. Now they're made out of leather and stuff like that. Really nice. But we had those and we broke them. And then we were like, oh, man, those are selling for like thousands of dollars now. Pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't, I mean, some people like collecting things, right? I like collecting things. I wish I didn't. <laughs> And now let's talk about that, Sean. You wish you didn't collect things. Yeah. So why do you wish you didn't collect things? Because it's a bitch. I mean, it's a pain in the touch (laughs) to maintain it. You know, the dusting. I have like a vintage deer figurine collection. I have a lot of them. Oh, my Lord. With the horns and everything, hard to dust. Hard to dust. Yeah. So I, I, and then I had like, some newer thing i've slowly been thinning out my collections like selling them in lots like okay gotta go (laughs) really wow you have that much that you sell it in lots (laughs) (laughs) you're like this palette's gotta go (laughs) you know big eyed dolls they were like they were cute but they were like way too dusty. They needed to go. Yeah. And I collect vintage paint by numbers. And the collection was getting too big at home. I have a good amount of them here in the in the restroom, actually, at the shops. So All right. check it out. It's very cute. Well, you might make the list of top 100 restrooms in Western North Carolina with that decor in there. <laughs> there's people who do that who rate the restrooms in this area um so i i agree with everything you said vintage is just cool some of it is so hideous you can't believe like it, it they, there's got to be things from certain periods that are just even though they're from that period they're not really considered vintage goods because nobody wants them like yeah. is that the is that a i'm just asking rhetorical questions but is that the difference between something that's just old and something that's vintage is that people want it I don't know. I think there's definitely certain things that stood out maybe in your childhood from grandma's house or your parents and more aesthetically pleasing. The design was awesome or maybe it was comfortable or it was cute, but I, I I, I tend to lean more towards like clean lines and, you know, cute uh-huh and <laughs> more people like things that are pretty they like to collect dishes and teapots and flowers mm. on them i i don't you know no i it's the things they like <laughs> yeah i for many years collected anything shaped like a skull i collected uh crucifixes i had a huge collection of them hanging on my wall it used to freak my friends out uh and i just collected a, i collected vinyl of all kinds uh i was just a nut about it and a lot of vinyl <laughs> yeah and much like you it i found it to be eventually kind of burdensome also i moved around a lot and that became problematic so i did thin out my collection but now i live in a big house and is my collection is growing again it's hard oh, for me not to collect i have some things if you need 
Oh, thanks. I have some things for you too. <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about poetry. What a what an interesting mix. I although yeah. I read on your website that you decided pastry and poetry sounded nice. So yeah. let's yeah. talk a little more in depth about why yeah. pastry and poetry. Well, and here's Ryan. Ryan, he is a typewriter poet. He has been doing events for a long time as well, not with me. Before we knew each other, he does a lot of weddings and even corporate events, uh, you know, anything, dinner parties, uh, hotels. Um, That's great. Music, is- festivals. Yeah, people hire him to bring his typewriter and type poems for their guests, which is great if you're having a wedding have like stationary with the bride and groom's monogram and it's a really like personalized gift slash favor for the guests rather than some weird junk (laughs) (laughs) yeah some little tchotchke that is ugly or whatever so that is that is a very unique idea for events i love that and uh ryan how are you today i'm well Stu. (laughs) thank you for taking the time to uh interview my partner here. <laughs> sure thing. I'm so glad to have you both on the show. So let's talk about poetry a little bit, brother. Um, what I, I just, much like with pastry and vintage and cute things, I, I always wonder why do people like it? I mean, like, not not like, why do they like it? Because it's bad. But what is the mass appeal, the human emotion that draws us to poetry? Because we love it. Well, there's not really a mass appeal now. Uh, <laughs> there, there used to be um, maybe there's a mass appeal when you think about the transition of uh, poetry into music and lyrics and people do associate and resonate with that more than actually reading a book of poems but mm. uh, like any great thing that has faded I, I believe there's a resurgence and I believe the resurgence is going to happen as we move further into the world of technology and further away from, you know, true communication. And where poetry uh, shines is just humans have been, you know, basically everything that has dictated what humans do is surrounded by language and communication. And in that paradigm is uh, words and you know we obviously have a set of you know rules of how language should be and how you know we should form a sentence and what have you and uh i'm just a fan of the abstract and whether it's a series of words that just sound pretty together and have like no meaning or it's some mysterious david lynch type meaning or it's just a beautiful way of talking about, uh, you know, a black and white cookie. Um, <laughs> there's always a more intricate and playful and uh, beautiful way to say the things that, you know, we want, you know, that we might not know how to say. And I yeah. think you take, take love, for example, like what is love? And love is a million different poems to a million different people. And, you know, what I do with my personalized poetry um, is I think I create an experience, but at the end of the day, 
uh, a keepsake, a treat. And that's where the Patriots and poetry kind of unify is that mm. Sean makes her treats with love and people get to enjoy them. And I create something that's a treat and they get to enjoy. So the fact that pastries and poetry sounded good together was just another reason for us to be like, Hey, this relationship makes sense. But um, yeah, we're, we're excited to join forces because, you know, that's great. the world needs more poetry and needs more heartfelt connection. I agree. And, and, treats. Treats. and treats. And I love yeah. the analogy of a piece of poetry being like a treat. It's like a, yeah, a treat for the mind, a treat for the soul. You know, that's really nice. And if you can eat a cupcake while you're doing it, even better. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm glad you understand. Yeah, I totally understand. I think it's I a great partnership. Um, and I, I enjoyed hearing you say that you think technology is actually going to uh, contribute to a resurgence and um, ma mass appeal of poetry. And I thought about it a little bit while you were talking. And I was like, yeah, I can see that for sure. And I don't mean to dumb it down, but poetry is imminently memeable. You can put a piece of poetry on a JPEG, like just write it in a picture and share it on social media and it can reach a lot of people. Wow. And I, I know that I brought it down to the most basic, but um, you know, it, art is also imminently shareable on social media. And for me also is food. And so I think that poetry does fall in that category as very shareable. And that is kind of what we do these days on internet as we share things with each other. Absolutely. And I think Sean and I are really, you know, we communicate differently. Um, and But at the end of the day, one of the things that brings us a lot of joy is making people happy with something that we created. Yeah. And that's always, as far as I know, I know a lot about her. I probably know her better than anyone else. Uh, I know yeah, she likes to create things that bring people joy. And, you know, I'm much of the same in the ways that I do it. So, yeah, know. I can tell that you have similar aesthetic approaches to life. Yeah. Um, now, Plus, Ryan, yes, I don't want to put you on spot, but we are running a little low on time. And you <laughs> did say you were going to write a poem for us right All here right. and now. So I'll jump on it, but. Just really quick, I would like, I would ask the guests, you know, you know, what are the things that you're passionate about? What makes you happy? But Stu, I have a general idea of what that is for you <laughs> based on your whole existence. And, uh, yeah. Unless there's anything you want to add, I, I'm just going to jump on it and let you finish talking with Sean and we'll, we'll have a reading. Okay. Awesome. I get noisy in here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, Sean, while he's working on that, let's talk about the events you do at the store. Do you mostly do poetry events? Um, we haven't been able to do events really at the store. Actually, both had reached out about it, but we haven't been here yet. It's very small. The shop right. is small. Everything is small and cute. <laughs> Everything small and cute. We have so enough seating like six people can sit in here so interesting okay um it's more events like we were we like to host events more um music events okay it's more the fact that we 
you can hire us to go to your event. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it says events on your website. <laughs> actually, I have a little cute little vintage car that went into fabrication yesterday. Really? But it's going to display a push card? Trees, and it's going to have a little desk on it. And um, so we'll be able to bring that to events <laughs> and have wow. the tree poetry thing um, going at markets. Wedding. That's awesome. Whatever party you might need us at. <laughs> so that's gonna be fun. Can't wait to this has been the thing I've been wanting to do for years and it's finally happening. Well, that's great. It sounds <laughs> like you guys have really worked towards doing what you love for other people as a way of supporting yourselves, not just financially, but um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, however you want to put it. And uh, I have sort of a similar art to you that I, I went to art school, graduated with an art degree. I did work as an artist for a long time, but now I'm in the food industry tangentially as a writer and such. And so I still produce visual art and mm -hmm. I find a lot of joy in just making it. I do like to show it to people, but the making is really fun. Um, and sometimes I wonder... Why do I like to make things? Uh, sometimes it is just to show them to people. Uh, why do you like to make things? I don't know. It just makes me feel good. And even if somebody doesn't see it, when I see the finished product and I know that I've stayed focused and I worked hard on it and came out how I had <laughs> hoped, that's like, a, woo, you know? Uh huh. Like a good feeling. Um, even I as sometimes feel love, compelled. I had a vision of how to make something mm -hmm. and I just make it happen. When it was done, I was like, wow, I actually did that. Like, pressed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, great. Yeah, that's a good admission. Sometimes I'm impressed with myself too when I make visual <laughs> art. I'm like, yeah. damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I was saying that sometimes I feel almost compelled or like I have an obsession to create to create and I'll have these crazy spurts where I'll just work feverishly on something until until I don't feel that way anymore. Do you have those similar? Oh, yeah. 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 Sometimes something is just that like you just can't stop and it's mm -hmm. so exciting and it's easy to have down times where you're just like don't have that motivation it's yeah. you know like this winter has been hard here it's been raining like yeah yeah like wow okay i have to feel motivated and excited to, to work on this thing all day yeah yeah when you're a perfect when you're creative professionally it's a whole different story you can't have writer's block if you're a professional writer you can't have a bad day if you're a professional baker all right ryan's back we're super low on time but ryan read us a poem yeah all right so i mean i know they can't see it but no that's a cute little piece of paper and everything yeah so it's got you know her our uh yeah your logo yeah. Um, when we do events like so whether it's corporate we can take their logo on there so you know okay. yeah we're we're adding value to whatever brand we're a part of so um well i'm I, not gonna sell you on it but yeah no i, I agree that that sounds like value added 
Yeah, once we have the card, there should be no holding us back from anywhere. So, great. Uh, all right, Stu, <clears throat> here's your poem. What wonders await us? Behind a door, there are more delicious dreams that are ahead, more nourishments and treats to capture and eat. Sweet it becomes the sum of the soul, baked into a love language of words and pastries. You are passionately emotion in an endless search from within these hills, a delicious memory awaits to create a sense of joy, a sense of purpose, and a sense of awe. Dude, I love it. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That actually made me feel kind of emotional. <laughs> we we, we aim for the heart. Cry. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, you write something like that at a wedding about two people, people will be crying their eyes out, no problem. Um, <laughs> There's, there's just, you know, post pandemic, you know, there's, there, there's an edge, there's an emotional, like, you know, thing, I feel most people are, you know, feeling and maybe not getting something tapped into. And I like to help people feel like they're seen and that there's still beauty and, you know, appreciated. So, well, Thank you. I, yeah. I feel seen and appreciated right now, my friend. And I want to thank you both for coming on the uh, show with me today. And just super quickly, street address, web address, hours of operation. It is 133 South Main Street in Marshall. I am right next to the tag office. <laughs> so most people know where that is because it's okay. the one without the line, you know. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, ivyandthepoet.com. Uh, we, you know, Instagram is, I think, is I engage more there. So I, it's just Ivy and the Poet. Okay. Yeah. And what are your hours? Uh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> oh, is that a, is that a tough question? <laughs> hours are tough these days. Uh, so you're, yeah, you're not alone in that. Evolving, just trying yeah. to figure out what works out here. Okay. Uh, we'll just say check online or yeah, call ahead. It's Wednesday through Saturday from 11 to 6. Okay. Sunday is typically 11 to 5. Sometimes it's 12 to 5. Okay. <laughs> I update the Google hours pretty much right, like almost daily if needed. All right. Well, that's that's very good of you. Not everybody does that. Um, all right. Well, once again, thanks for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to both of you. Thank you for the lovely poem, Ryan. I appreciate you. And uh, Ivy, um, I'm sorry, Sean or Miss Ivy. Shall I start the end the show like I started it by fumbling your name? They all are. You, yeah. All right, Sean. You, you know, and what you've been doing for everybody. You know, oh, sure. Yeah. Food industry around town. It's been really great. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. Keeping, I, it, keeping it positive. <laughs> always, always negativity is there's plenty of that in the world without me contributing to it. So I shout my negative thoughts into a bag. Um, all right, y'all. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day in Marshall, North Carolina, and I'll come out to see you soon, I promise. Yeah, we'll send yeah. you some treats and a poem soon. <laughs> all right. Oh, I'd love that. Um, all right, folks. Bye-bye. Right, have a good one. Bye, 
everybody. I'm here at the Loot House for a food tasting with a bunch of other food writers and bloggers and such. And I'm standing here with the world-famous Jonathan Ammons, <laughs> local food writer, bon vivant, long-haired hippie. How oh, yeah. you doing, Jonathan? You know, I can't complain. Can't complain. We're here to eat some food. Always drive by this place. Always wanted to check it out. Is this your first time here at the it Loot House? my first time okay. at the Loot House. I literally drive by this place probably once a month, and I never think of going in. Are you excited, Jonathan? I'm excited. I see the Bob's Burgers cookbook over there. I think that might be a good sign. They do have you a know. famous burger here. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard good things about the burger, so looking uh, forward to it. All right, John, I'll leave you alone. Take care. Thanks. All right, folks, we're still in the Loot House for the tasting with a bunch of food writers and influencers and bloggers and such, and I'm here with my good friend Lucho. Luis Carlos, uh, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> hungry. You and I show up to these things a lot. Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, we show up hungry. Yeah, we should go running, too. <laughs> yeah, right after. We'll go on a job. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no, not me, Lucho. Um, so tell us, you're here uh, representing AshevilleMulticultural.com. Yes. And yes. tell me, uh, just like, what is, you're, oh, you're on the Cuban journey. Do they even have a Cuban here at Loot House? I, I don't, don't know, know, man. This is my very first time here. I okay. haven't even really looked at the menu. I'm just looking at what they put out. But I'm definitely going to ask them. Why okay. not? Yeah. As well. All right. All right. Well, we're all excited to try the food. Right on. Let's right. do that. All right, everybody, I'm here at the Lude House with Maggie Rogers, one of the owners. Maggie, you just gave a great speech. I wish I had had my phone recording then. But can you kind of repeat some of the folks you work with and your partners? And Absolutely. So uh, my family, the Whitmans, my brother, Jake Whitman, he's the real talent. He sets the menu, and the whole project was his idea. These days, you'll find him more over at Pure and Proper in Black Mountain. But our team here, Chef Brian, Chef Sam, they keep the ball rolling with weekly burger specials. And it's always creative and always new, something you've never seen before. We're coming out with our spring menu, which Stu is going to help us determine after his taste test. And so you can see that drop soon. All right. And you trotted out maybe seven or eight dishes for us to try at this tasting today. Yeah. Everything from a salad yep. to a Philly cheesesteak. Yep. Uh, a burger, uh, fried catfish, Brussels sprouts, loaded French fries. What am I leaving out? Um, Two, three sandwiches I'm leaving a out. A cold cut sandwich and a new grilled cheese that's coming with pears and Havarti and walnuts and stuff. So, yeah. And I'm telling you what, those Brussels sprouts were some of the best that any of us had had. I'm here with four or five other food eaters and... Uh, and everybody was raving about those Brussels. So definitely keep those on the new menu. Yes, sir. And, uh, you all, oh, we also had some chicken wings. And you have That's a right. new flavor, but we also tried your Korean wings, which were great. But yeah. tell us about the new flavor. The new flavor this season is a Chipotle apricot barbecue. So it's a little sweet, little tangy, little spicy. It's, yeah. Very delicious. And they're crispy on the outside and nice-sized wings. Not too big. I don't like giant wings. Me either. Not too small either. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk about your burgers a little bit because you do like a double patty smash burger oh, style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what, today we had the basic Luke's burger. Is that correct? That's right. That's our signature burger that never changes our, our signature uh, recipe. And so that's going to be either a single or a double patty. And it comes with arugula and our chili crisp aioli that the boys make here in-house and some pickles. It's delicious. It was very delicious. <laughs> and I got to tell you, your cheesesteak was great. So keep that one on the menu, please. Um, I'm going to warn you that if you keep the word Philly on there, 
people are going to be like, this isn't a Philly because it's not from Philadelphia and it doesn't have this and that and the other. It's too many things on it. And so my only advice would be perhaps call it the Swan and Nola cheesesteak or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Valley cheesesteak. Oh, I, oh you just you just nailed it yeah, with that. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. We'll workshop it. Um, <laughs> and last thing, why don't you just tell us your hours of operation, your address, and how people can find you. That sounds great. So we're open right now. We are open Thursday through Monday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. We're hoping to get a six day in soon. Um, we're located right off of Highway 70 in Swannanoa, right off of the interstate across from Okie Dokies and the Harley Davidson dealership. Um, and yeah, so come check us out. Yeah. Yay! Getting great reviews from me and the other eaters right now. So please come on down to the Loot House. Two O's, two T's. Two O's, two T's. That's right. right. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. All right, everybody, that's the end of the show. But before I cut you loose, I just want to let you know that the pizza that Drew brought me at the beginning of the show, the slamming salmon pizza was awesome. Just as described, just as advertised, it was like a giant everything bagel that had been sort of smashed out flat and then covered in both the Italian and the Jewish deli goodness. So it had Alfredo sauce and cream cheese uh, mixed together. And then it had the smoked salmon and tomato sauce as well. And it was great. And the crust was the everything bagel part with all of the everything bagel stuff sprinkled on that. And it was just great. And Dawn and I ate it hot, warm, and cold. And it was great all three ways. Dawn especially loves cold pizza. And she thought this was great cold pizza. I know that there's people out there who love cold pizza, and she is one of them. I am not so much. Heat that up. Uh, And so thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, tuning in to WPVM 103.7 on the radio here in Asheville, North Carolina, or listening through Substack, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, what have you. Please follow me on my other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, YouTube a little bit. I don't do very much there, though. I kind of have spurts where I do a little something on YouTube for a little while, and then I quit for a bunch of long months. Same with TikTok. I, I posted like eight videos, and I haven't been there in a while. I just, I'm I'm a still pictures kind of a guy. I'm sorry, world. I just, it's all I can do to take still pictures of stuff, occasionally record an audio interview. And I'm just not a video oriented guy. And that's why I have this food group where other people who do video, food writers group, I'm sorry, other people who do video can come in and do stuff with me. And uh, so that's the end of the show. If you eat something good, let me know about it on social media. Take care. Peace out.
This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.